I would just say, know your why, know your why, know you, know yourself inside and outside, know what triggers you. And then if you mess up, start back over or, you know, like, or if you have a bad day, then just have that bad day, but you can't take it into like next week or, you know, a couple days, but like have that bad day, get your cry on, let it out, but then start over again and stop beating yourself up. Hello, and welcome to the Mindset and Self Mastery Show. I'm your host, Nick McGowan. Today on the show, I have Sherry Bucky Brown. Sherry, how are you doing today? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm good. I'm glad that you're here. I'm excited to get into the conversation. Uh, there's a lot that we're going to be able to talk about, and I'm excited for you to share about uh, the new book that just came out and everything that's kind of gone around all of that. So I'm going to stop talking now so that you can let us know uh, what do you do for a living? And what do, what do people not know about you that's maybe a little odd or bizarre? Awesome. Well, thank you for having me. So I am a life coach. I'm a new author. I am a budding speaker, and I also am a corporate leader. And something that I feel it's probably would surprise people because when they see me, they probably wouldn't think this about me, but I can, I have a PhD in cursing, which <laughs> I'm sure you can relate to. I do, <laughs> so when yeah. you, when you said that, I was like, mm, that's very interesting. <laughs> it's funny that, um, the, a quick story was, um, when my mom was, was still alive, she had bought my sister a recorder for her Christmas present. And so they had gone to a Christmas party. And so we decided to take the recorder out and um, just, you know, kids are going to be kids. And we were just like, okay, let's record ourselves. So we recorded ourselves. And then I decided, you know what, this is boring. Let me just, I went into a tirade of cursing and <laughs> I just went off. <laughs> so then I'm you know, being a kid, my mom gets home and I'm like, mom, look, listen to what we did. We recorded this thing. So I knew it was coming time for my tirade. I was like, that's all. That's, you know, that's all. She was like, no, let me listen to the rest of it. Oh, no. <laughs> so I literally shrunk probably two inches and I really don't remember what happened. I just know, I think I blacked out because I... <laughs> I was caught so red-handed. I was like, okay. But anyway, that goes on to, so I'm still that way till today. You, you just, I, I don't let it come out too much. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure there are specific friends or family members you have that you can literally shoot the shit with and <laughs> you can kind of go back and forth. Do you, uh, uh, <laughs> I'm still, I'm still cracking up about just the PhD of it. Like, not only did you do it, but you have a doctorate in fucking cursing. It just rolls out. I don't know where it comes from. And it's like, I mean, it just rolls. And I'm like, wow, really? <laughs> I'm never going to go to heaven. <laughs> oh, oh, God, if that's the only thing that stops us. I don't think that's it. Yeah, and I've had conversations with people before. They're like, you know, Jesus didn't curse. I'm like, to hell. He didn't curse. Are you kidding me? That man sat in the side of a temple, braided right. a whip methodically and then went fucking crazy of course he cursed yeah, you know, what, what exactly. did he do? please leave please please grab your things and gently walk out Get the fuck yes. out of here that's not what happened no way that's too funny yeah oh well so <laughs> now that i know that you you have a doctorate in, in cursing 
Um, it's interesting because I, I used to blame, I'm from originally from Philadelphia and I would blame the Northeast, you know, people would be like, Oh my God, why do you have so much energy? And why do you curse too much? I'm like, why do you not fucking curse enough? And like, you have some passion with things and I would just blame the Northeast. But really, I think a lot of it isn't just that. I think, I think there's some trauma to it. You know, there's people that have tra traumatic experiences and they don't know how to handle things or they don't know how to say things. And I remember somebody said to me years ago, they're like, you know, you can use different words. Like, yeah, you absolutely can. But I'm also intelligent enough to be able to fucking use the right word <laughs> when you need to. Um, but do you think that you hold back a bit now? Like even in a conversation like this where you can freely do it, granted it is going to be on the internet and it is going to get out to thousands and ultimately someday millions of people. Um, do you feel like you hold that back because you should look and be a certain way or is it something different? No, I know. I, I think when it comes out mostly is when I'm frustrated, um, you know, or, or, you know, someone maybe pokes the bear I, I get frustrated and then I go in and then I go into that little spiel like, oh, my God. So and then it just kind of rolls out. But, yeah, typically on a day to day basis, I, I don't let it come out. But if I get frustrated or, yeah, it, it comes freely. <laughs> so now I'm getting a little bit more of a picture. So tell me if I'm wrong. You kind of curse like a cartoon. Like you get real frustrated. And you're like, oh, fucking damn it. So it's not. No, not like that. I. <laughs> It comes, it comes out. My friend's like, Sherry, can you teach me how to do that? And I'm like, no, I can't. It's just natural. <laughs> I mean, somebody want you to teach them. Yeah. Are they going to use it? Like, like you, you know, Sherry taught me this. <laughs> put 12 so, curse words in a nine, <laughs> nine word sentence. Yeah. Yeah. That, yeah, exactly. That's how it comes out really quickly. And they're like, oh my gosh, you can curse like that. That's professional. <laughs> it, it is. Yeah. Well, you have a doctorate, so it makes sense. Um, so let's, let's think about as a, as a life coach and as a coach, uh, you and I both know that there are different conversations you have to have with people where sometimes you kind of have to poke that bear or put a little salt in the wound in a sense, in a nice way without re-triggering somebody or driving them back into a trauma. Uh, but do you find that that has allowed you to have more open conversations with clients or even prospective clients to be able to work with you? Um, so what I feel is because, see, I come from, I was born in the Midwest. I was born in Wisconsin, um, Dairy State, and my, my parents moved there to make a better life for um, their family. And I'm a, I'm a, I'm the baby of five. And so I feel like because of all the, traumatic events that has happened in, in my life that the empathy I think that I have for people has led me to this coaching. Um, I I was natural at it. Um, I've been in corporate America. I've been a manager and people would just always come to me and ask me, you know, let me run something past you or what do you think about this? And so I was just freely giving information out. And, you know, sometimes in your life you, because of situations you have to make a living. And so I ended up in IT and I knew IT would allow me to make a living, right? A good living, a decent living. Um, but was it my passion? The people part was more in line with my passion and the money was because I needed to survive. I needed to, you know, my sister passed at 40 and I took her two boys in. One was 12 and the other one was they were 11 years apart, so 21. 
so I knew I had to make a living. I, I, I myself personally wasn't able to have kids. And so I took them in. I was a single person. I was trying to climb the corporate ladder. And it was just a big change in my life that, um, you know, that's just one of the things like, you know, I lost my mom at 12 too. So it's really ironic how my nephew's path and my path crossed. And so I'm saying all that to say the empathy in me, um, I think lends itself well to me being a coach and me being, um, what's the word, um, patient with my clients and understanding kind of what trauma does to people and they can't move forward. Yeah. Powerful stuff. You know, it's, uh, it's interesting. I, I like to call the, I like to call the shit out where I can, you know, there were a lot of people that became coaches, uh, during the pandemic and they were like, well, I don't know what else to do. I guess I'll become a coach. Then there were a lot of people that became coaches because they were like, well, I need to do something differently. I feel it within me to better, uh, better serve and help people and guide people. And it's interesting because I've had conversations with people where like, there's like the, uh, the doctorate in the sense that you need to have the systems and understand the things like you need to understand what trauma is. You need to be trauma informed. And if not, you're just kind of talking potentially a good game. Um, but I really feel like there needs to also be the experiential side of it. Like you need to understand the trauma within yourself and have done the work within yourself to be able to help anybody. And a great thing for any coach is you can just be a step ahead to be able to help somebody that's right behind you. You don't need to be the Tony Robbins or, you know, somebody who's done this for 40, 50 years to be able to help somebody. And you can do it as simply as just having conversations with somebody that's um, a team member or somebody that you manage, like you'd said it in corporate jobs. Um, but to, to be able to have those experiences that shapes the way that you, that you help those people, but it can also shape the way that you project onto people. And it's on us as the coach to not project and be like, Oh, well, when that happened to me, this is what I did. This is exactly what you should do. But you can have that empathy and that understanding. It's interesting that you bring up patience though, because you know what it's like to have gone through certain things to be able to be patient where it can be kind of impatient at times. If you're like, I don't get it. I don't know why this is so heavy for you. It doesn't feel like it should be because then you're just basically projecting, but let's yeah. talk about the trauma that you had. You lost your mom and then you, you lost your sister. I mean, I'm yes. 39. I'll be 40 in five and a half months or five months or so. Mm -hmm. Um, I couldn't imagine what that would feel like for my siblings to lose me. I couldn't imagine what it would be like for me to lose them. And they're younger than I am. But for you to be able to lose somebody and then be able to have her kids that are now yours and to have that similarity uh, with both of them, if not one specifically, uh, that's got to be an interesting dynamic. And yeah, yeah. talk a bit I about that. I would agree. I think, um, so <clears throat> it's funny. So people ask me why now, why the book now? And I say it's time. Like I had to really sit in all of the things that happened to me 
from the time that I turned 12, which was a turning point, because I lost my mom to domestic violence and I was 12. The kids got split. Um, I was the baby. So two stayed in Wisconsin. The other three went to go live with my grandmother, which I was one of those in Mississippi. That was another whole experience. Mississippi, my grandmother, you know, who was older, who took in three broken kids. And then along the way, along life's way, you know, I lost my sister at 40 from a heart attack. I lost my grandmother. I lost two brothers from cancer. I'm a two-time breast cancer survivor. So all of that has led me to where I'm at today, which, um, like I said, um, it's mindset. Like it, it is huge when timing is everything. First of all, you can, you can say all you want and until you can mentally and emotionally be able to move forward, then the person will not move forward. And so in coaching, you have to recognize somebody could pay you whatever the amount of money that it is that you charge, but if they're, and then they could waste it, right? They're not ready because they either won't do the work or they're not, they're not ready mentally to, to move themselves forward. And you have to be prepared for that as a coach because it happens and it can happen. And then, you know, you might, you may be the third person that they've seen, even from a counseling perspective or therapy, it just takes time and everybody gets to it at a certain it does there's no no number no year that you get to it it's just when you have decided that you're sick and tired of being sick and tired of living the same way and what's really funny is it could fake you out like you think you have healed you think you have dealt with all of the trauma that has presented itself in its in your life and then something could trigger you again and you just have to be prepared to recognize it for what it is. My phrase on trauma is this. I said, trauma is, trauma leaves a cemetery of bones walking around in a person's life and they think they have healed and it affects them over the years, throughout the generations over and over again until they've decided that they want to heal or they need to heal, not even want to, but they need to heal. It's, it's a wild thing to think of those bones that we carry and those ghosts in a sense and how trauma, uh, <laughs> I, I, I love that, you know, you can think you've done the work, but trauma's like, Mm-mm, not fully like there's, there's depth to it, even different types of, uh, ways to go about it. Like, um, there are people that they don't want to, they don't want to have therapy. They don't want to do talk therapy at all. And that is the thing that stops them from looking at the other forms of therapies, TBT, um, uh, processing therapy, like deep subconscious therapy yes. and being able to do all of it. Some of it really works well. Like some people, it's like they can talk and they're great and they go through it. Maybe they'll start to be re-triggered and be able to process through it a bit just through talking. Other people need acupressure and processing right. and all the things I subscribe to as much of it as possible. Uh, I have an acupressure session coming up next week. I meet with my mental health coach biweekly and still go through deep processing with somebody who I think is fantastic, but is basically a sadist because she will not let me off the phone without going deep and deep and deep and deep and making sure that the shit is out of your cells. And that's a big part of it. There's the, the somatics of it that I think a lot of people really miss 
So talk to us about about that, about being able to not until intellectually understanding that, all right, I'm better now, I feel better, but to be able to get it out of our skin, out of our cells and out of our own bones. Yeah, I think you have to like, do you ever really heal? I feel the hole that's in your heart will always be there. But for me, like now mine has a cobweb over it where I had to really put it, I had to put my emotions and my thoughts in place and say to myself, First of all, I had to stop blaming myself for what happened because I had, I was a kid. I had no control over, you know, what happened. And the other part is I had to ask myself over and over and over. I mean, I was angry at God. I was angry at the world. I was pissed. Um, for years, I was pissed. I, I mean, it took me forever to get married because I was like, nobody will ever, 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 ever hurt me like that. Not a man, for sure, will ever hurt me like that again. And I met good guys along the way and I just used excuses like, oh, I'm not ready. You know, like, you know, it's it's weird. Like I said, it manifests itself in so many ways over the years. But I had to ask myself, is it serving me for where I'm at right now? And what my mom and my sister want me to stay in this place for the rest of my life? And would I serve them better by being able to sh- share my story with the world, impact maybe somebody. If my book, um, I said, you know, when I wrote this book is like, if it touches one person's life, then I, my job has been done. Or if it encourages anyone to know that life is not, nobody told you when you were born into this world that you're going to guarantee to be happy. It's just not going to, it's not, nobody guaranteed you that. But what do you do with it? Like you're going to be faced with challenges every, if you're living, you're going to be faced with challenges. So what do you do with it, though? Do you stay in that same spot year after year after year or make little baby steps and then go backwards and then make a couple more steps? And, you know, if you're making steps, I still say that those are steps, but you have to add on to those steps. You can't keep going back into that hole and, you know, hovering or using what happened to you forever as an excuse. You never forget it. It's a part of who you are. It's a part of your armor. But you have to know that time goes on. You can't get it back. And do I want to spend the rest of my life miserable or do I want to live the best life that I have for how many ever minutes, years, whatever that looks like? Do I want to be happy? And my answer to myself was, yeah. And if anyone comes in my way with like negativity, I just am like, I had to work to get here. So I can't like let you take me in this negative space that's not really serving me any purpose in my my life anymore. I had to forgive myself. I had to forgive my mom. I literally had to just forgive my dad because apparently he was going through whatever he was going through. And back then there was no counseling that was provided for at least not to our family, which was unfortunate. So when you don't even get the counseling, it takes you even that much longer to heal, you know? And I feel like when my brothers passed, they hadn't healed because they carried so much guilt. Like I said, it's, you know, trauma is generational and it, it impacts you in different, in your health, it impacts you in your career in your personal lives, how you show up in the world, all of that. It's unfortunate. 
it is, but it's part of what we have, you know, like yeah. uh, even, even saying you shouldn't expect that you're going to be happy. Um, and just that everything's just going to constantly work out. You still need to have that, um, that back and forth. There needs to be the good and the bad and all of that. And I, I do believe that we should be happy. Like you should be, but there's still suffering. Yeah. And just like Victor Frankl said in the man's search for meaning, there's meaning in suffering. And it's what we do with that. I find that there are people that sometimes get afraid of doing the work because of really the fear of the unknown. They don't know what it's going to take to be able to do it, but yeah. they're also comfortable with the fucking animal and monster that they have. And they don't know how to break away from that shame or that guilt or the trauma. And especially if it's either historic or generational trauma, that shit just keeps adding and adding and adding and adding and adding and adding. And then you have systemic issues that just make it even worse or pull things away like counselors or anything like that for you to be able to heal that mm -hmm. and be able to work through that stuff. That can be really difficult. But something that has stood out to me as you've been talking is that shame, that shame that's there. Where if it's guilt or if it's just shame on you, like... You had that shame of like, well, no, I don't want, and no man will hurt me like this, but I could, I could imagine that maybe some of that was also, I don't want to be hurt like this. And maybe I don't deserve this. Right. And people will wear that as a badge of honor or their shield and just say, no, this, uh, this is just how I am. Instead of saying like, no, I'm just fucking hurting and I really need some help and I need to get this shit cleaned out, cleared out. Right. We can't drive anybody to do that and make that decision. They have to do that. But do you believe that you can catalyze that for somebody uh, to kind of like spur them along, kind of semi-trigger them without <laughs> pushing them totally into the well? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I think you have to, if, if you're going to do this role as a coach, I think you have to be prepared for those tough conversations because, you know, why spend your money if you're not going to, get any results from it, right? So you have to have those tough conversations with your client, um, which I'm very comfortable with doing. And I think for me, because what I've gone through, I can push the envelope probably a little bit harder because they can't say, well, what do you know? You've never been through anything before. <laughs> You're like, let and me tell I will you be like, well, things. let me whip out how many, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> let me tell you how many things I've gone through. So yeah, I feel like um, when you've walked in trauma's footsteps, and you can you can really um, I don't know if getting rough is the word I want to use. I just would hold people accountable, mm -hmm. hold them accountable for their actions and really ask them if they want to. Are they ready right now? Um, yeah. And so, yeah, I think, you know, like I said, a badge of honor, like all the trauma that I've gone through is is something that I'm not like, you know, parading around yeah. but i also know that i've been through some shit and so um i can sit here and say i could have chosen another path because it's all about decisions it's about you know how do you want to show up and do you are you are you sick and tired of this crap and do you want to move forward and is how is it working for you you know how's this been working for you all these years so yeah, yeah. I think you have to get really, uh, I think you have to get, and, and this, the other part too, is I think you have to find out what works for your client. Yeah. Like that one thing that 
is holding them back where it throws them to alcohol or, you know, not wanting to get up in the morning or using it as an excuse. I think if you can hone in and try and find out what that one thing is that they feel like they can't move forward with, then that's that will maybe at least move the needle and help, you know, them understand, you know, why they do what they do. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good, good point too. Um, not all your clients are going to be the same. And for the person who's on the client side, um, not all coaches are going to be the same and, and work with people the same and everybody's different. I mean, you bring in personality types, uh, their upbringing, history, uh, even their energetics and how they interact with different things. So if you talk to them that way or kind of treat them the same way that you treated somebody else, it's probably not going to work. So it's a matter of being able to figure that stuff out. I do find it interesting how a lot of people that are at that precipice where they can make the changes, they can do the work, they're self-aware enough to see it, but they have had years and years and years of kind of traumatic workouts where they've just added to the callus. So the callus is just thick and the fucking story that they tell themselves is what they believe to be true. And it's interesting because I've had conversation recently and somebody that was on the podcast recently about how there's a deep fear that a lot of people are really afraid to even talk about of, well, if I start to do the work, what if everything has to change? What if everything I've done up till this point was all wrong? And what if my entire life needs to change? And it could be easy for us to go, yeah, what if? Like, you're right. That that's a thing. And I, you have probably been through stuff like that. I mean, even as a kid, you went through stuff where life changed drastically and you do those and you can see, look, historically I can get through this stuff. Um, But it's got to be super difficult to be able to go through that. So you don't have to get into the details at all from when you were a kid, but how did that affect your relationships? uh, And how does that, how does that affect your life now that you're able to look back and go, these are things that I do kind of on the daily to be able to make sure that I've got my head on right. And I've got my heart right. And that I'm in the right spot where I'm able to actually move in a, on a growth path instead of falling back into bad ways. Like you'd said about, you know, hopping back into drinking or addictions and things of that sort. Cause you're just looking for something you can fucking control and be able to say, I know that I can get the thing out of this or it'll make me feel such a way. Right. Yeah. I mean, so for me, I guess I, so when my mom passed, I literally, that was my, you know, she was my, she was my, I don't know. I was a, I was a mama's baby and I didn't understand the the book is called who will take care of me now. And that's because that's the first thing that came in my mind when my mom passed, but um, just all of the chaos and, and changes that happened along the way, I, for whatever reason, I kept finding I wanted to prove a point that I'm still going to survive and everybody don't have, they don't have that. Right. I mean, you, some people just fold and some people just are like, I don't want to deal with it. I rather, you know, just close it out. And I don't know what it was in me that just kept saying, and even when I would get knocked down, I would just kept saying like, I got to figure out a way. And maybe because I was the baby of the family and maybe, you know, some people said maybe it didn't impact you as much, but it did. It impacted me just as much as it did my older brother, you know, my siblings in the, in the middle. Um, it just impacted me in a different way. So to answer your question, I think, um, I decided like, I don't know. It's like, I tried to find 
the humor and things now. I try not to take everything so freaking serious um, in my life. But I, 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 for years, like I said, I just got here. I really kind of just got to this point where I was like, I don't care what people think about me. You know, I'm putting this book out. Um, I, I am at a point where I am living my best life. I, I've started that, you know, 10 years ago. And then, of course, I would have my moments. But the deep sitting in the in the healing took like me, um, you know, I would I would go into like meditation. I've had people do readings for me. Um, I one one time I just ran away from everyone. I packed a bag and I went to uh, get a cabin in Oklahoma for like five days, secluded myself all by myself. I was like, I had had enough of the world because how trauma manifests itself in me. One of the traits was I was a giver. I wanted everybody to be happy. I wanted to protect everybody. I, and then people started to just come to me for everything. I was such a giver. And I was like, and so I was giving all of me and I wasn't pouring back into myself. And then I looked up and I had an empty cup and I was wondering why, why is everybody else so happy? And I'm over here miserable. And I just ran away. I was like, I'm done. I, I, and I, the first night that I was there, I had, um, that's when I started my book and I was like, I'm going to go there. I'm going to go there. I'm going to write. I'm going to, you know, pour into myself. I'm going to veg. I'm going to watch movies. And the first night that I got to there, to the place and I was terrified. I, I had a gun, <laughs> a bat, some spray mace. <laughs> um, yeah, I had everything. I was like, okay, so if anybody comes in here, I'm, I'm, I'm going to go down fighting. Um, so, but the first night I was there, I literally was on the porch and I cried the entire night that I was there, just purging and releasing and, you know, going back over my life. And, and I think a lot of, you know, a lot of women kind of give up a lot in the, in, in men too, probably, but a lot of women, we give so much and then we find our cups empty. And so you just have to, so I, again, just to, to talk about how I came along this journey is that it's been a process. It's been, you know, a couple of years, I'd be okay. And, and when I lost all these people, it would be like, you know, I lost my mom and then we went to go live with my grandmother in a different state. And then, you know, and we had never lived with her before. So that was an adjustment, a different school. And then of course she passed and that was another blow. And then my sister passed suddenly. She had been, you know, with me the week before. And then I get this call. So every time I thought I was getting okay, then I get another blow, like somebody in the family would pass, like that was close to me. And I was like, oh my God, God, what is it that you're trying to say to me? And so it has taken me to now to be like, you know what, this, all of this, all of this trauma is a part of who you are. And, but you need to like move forward and be happy and know that they're cheering you on. I, I had to make peace within me, within my soul, within my spirit, within my mindset. And it's just, I don't know. I, it's different for everybody. Well, it can be different for everybody. I give you that. But I wonder the thing that you were talking about that may be something that people that are listening to this could think, or maybe not even bring it up consciously, but you've had this pattern where things get good. And then somebody passes. You're all right. And then somebody passes. You're telling me right now you're good. So 
Is that a thought? And is that one of those things? And how do you manage that knowing that you're not, your happiness isn't equivalent to somebody needs to die. But that is part of that shame that can be there, that Mm -hmm. trauma just kind of spins off. So how do you, how do you deal with that? How do you manage that? Yeah. And I, you know, I've thought about it like, okay, so if somebody else major passes in my life, how will I be able to manage that? And of course you're going to hurt, right? And of course you're going to be sad, but you know, you have to know that what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. And all of that is just a part of life. Like you have to make peace with like, we, we came, we were born and we're all going to leave this earth at some point, period. Um, I'm preparing my family. Like if something happens to me, know that I have, you know, done my work and I've lived, I've, you know, I'm, I'm on, I'm on the other side of living my best life. I've lived most of my life already. And so I found, I've held on to those happy, those happy spots for me is where I've held on to. And I have a good circle of friends that I've built along the way that has always been supportive of me. When I had my book launch, I, I was just, I kept being in awe about so many people came through that I hadn't seen in years. And it just goes to show you how you treat people. It comes back to you twofold. They never forget how you treat them. And I've always been that person that tries to treat people right, right? So yeah, to answer your question, I think like, yeah, you hurt. Yeah, you're going to be sad if you lose someone else. But I'm I'm going to know that they would have wanted me to be happy and I will be able to pick up the pieces and whatever it is that I need to help. Like my nephew, for instance, if I need to help, he has two kids now. So whatever that looks like, I'm I'm so I'm strong now, and I feel like a I don't know it's a bull that a pit bull <laughs> at this point in my life because I know that I didn't die, I didn't fold, I I felt it, I walked through it, I got back up, and that's what I'm trying to. That's what I want to empower people to do, like get back up, stand back up. It's okay. Yeah, you're going to hurt your human um, unless you just block out feelings, but you need to feel that pain. You have to feel it. You have to sit in it. You have to, like, you know, know that you're stronger than you believe. Yeah. It's like figuring out your own dis- uh, difference between being a sadist and a sociopath. Like, you don't want to yeah. block everything off and just be like, well, fuck, I don't feel anything because you need to feel all of it. And it can be difficult to do that uh, on your own. It can, it's easier for some people uh, to just be able to sit in the deep end of things. I often think of how my partner handles that. She just sits deep. Like if it was a 40 foot deep end, she'd sit 50 feet and sit there for weeks if, if need be to clear it all out and work it all out. And that can, that could be where a coach really comes into play to be able to facilitate that, help through that. Also be a beautiful, accountable partner for that, to not let that person just pull themselves out of the deep end, but also give them space to be able to breathe when they need to do that. And you've done that work because you've had the traumatic experiences. You've had the things that have happened to you. And that's, it's beautiful that you've done that. And I'm sure if you look back and you say, well, some of these times didn't need to be this way. I didn't need to say this to myself, or I didn't need to act that way, but it is what it is. And you've done the work and now here you are and you're able to help people. So Along those lines, what sort of advice would you give to somebody that's on their path towards self-mastery? Um, I would, oh, gee. I would say for me, you know, I kept asking myself, why, 
please, you know, my prayer was, please, Lord, show me what I'm supposed to do with my life when I grow up. And excuse me, I didn't realize I was already doing it. I was already like um, helping people by them asking me, you know, let me ask you a question. And the reason why I could answer those questions or they could come to me for advice is because I was giving off like everything that had gone through my life. I was giving them advice from my experiences and they felt comfortable coming to me, which I kept, you know, batting away. But um, I would say I would tell them, like, if you understand being self-aware, I think to me was huge, like really knowing who you are inside and outside, what makes you you is a huge part of you being able to maybe move the needle and take the steps necessary um, to move forward. And when you, and, and the sad part about people in general is that we'd rather not feel the pain and use some other excuse watching reality shows or drinking or, or drugs or whatever, whatever your vice is, right. Um, versus dealing with the pain. It's easier. It's just easier to do. It's like, like, it's like if you had a task list in your task list, one of the tasks is you something you hate to do. I don't know what that is, but whatever it is, you're going to put that on the last, on the list last versus you tackling that one first and getting it out of the way because you have this head block. And it's the same when people are trying to heal. Um, and I think men are really, I'm sorry, but men are really harder in my opinion, because they really don't want to deal with their emotions. Um, and women go over and beyond, um, you using you know themselves as whatever to um to not deal with the pain so i would just say know your why know your why know you know yourself inside and outside know what triggers you and then if you mess up start back over or you know like or if you have a bad day then just have that bad day but you can't take it into like next week or you know a couple days but like have that bad day get your cry on let it out but then start over again and stop beating yourself up because that's what I was doing. I was beating my, nobody had to beat me up. I was beating my own self up to a pulp. I was on my own worst critic. And I'm like, okay, but then I would go out and motivate everyone else. Right. <laughs> and I lay down in bed at night and look at the ceiling and I'll be like, oh my God, why are you so sad? Yeah. You have to know yourself. <clears throat> well, you also bring up historical trauma again and the generational trauma, even the differences between men and women. Uh, the, men that were supposed to just put dirt on it and get back in the game and the women that should feel through the things or be subservient in that sort of way. And that's just systemic bullshit. It just, it shouldn't be a thing. And that's why that's part of the reason why I have the show is to be able to not only talk about that, bring it to light and be able to make the change within ourselves as we do that and, and see how those differences can be. Um, I really appreciate you getting into the depth that you've gotten into and the work that you've done. Um, it's also a pleasure to meet somebody who has a doctorate in cursing. So thank you <laughs> for fucking being here. <laughs> Same. <laughs> uh, so before I let you go, where can people find you? Where can they connect with you? And where can they buy that book? Yeah. So um, www.sherrybuckleybrown and then dot com. And of course, I have a author. I have two websites, sherrybuckleybrownauthor.com. And then my book is out on Amazon. It's also on Barnes and Nobles online as well. Awesome. Again, thank you so much for being here, Sherry. It was a great conversation. Thanks, Nick. Appreciate it. <laughs>